Features winning formula, the merch wars, and the emotions from Negro Swan with features from the world of hip-hop. This is Rap Planet. We took some time off since we last got to chat, but the world keeps spinning. I'm still here, you are too. And if you're listening to this, we've got some catching up to do. Since episode 3, Trippy Red's Life's a Trip, Young Thug's Slime Language, and Nicki Minaj's Queen dropped, and more recently, Boss's Milky Way. The album sees the Dreamville artist perfecting his lyrical capabilities over a string of fantastic instrumentation that sounds like a mix of old school with trap sprinkled in. Boss let go of the video for Boko Raton, a track that features ASAP Ferg, ahead of the album's official release, and for good reason. It's an upbeat summer banger, produced by the Seattle beat god, Sango. The video finds Boss and Ferg dancing around with a constantly moving background that's painted like a postcard from paradise. Outside of the kickback vibes on the tracks, like Tribe with J. Cole, the album can get pretty serious at times. On Barack Obama special, Boss raps... I had to move because my neighbor's so racist. Later in the same track, he talks about dealing with the struggles of success from moving up in the industry and the sacrifices he's had to make for his career, even if it means cutting off loved ones. Being a massive fan of gangster movies, I especially liked the use of A Bronx Tale and the interlude Great Ones. In all, Milky Way feels more complete than any of his albums prior, and I think this is only the beginning for the Dreamville rapper. It might not have the rotation value as last winter, but it definitely has stronger messages and more hidden Easter eggs if you listen hard enough. Dev Hines, or Blood Orange, is an artist I've had on my radar for years now. During a guest DJ spot for UVA's rap radio way back when, I threw on the track High Street, which was on his album Cupid Deluxe. It featured a relatively unknown UK rapper at the time named Skepta, giving an insane verse that I still think is one of his best yet. It's the track that turned me on to Skepta, which is a little odd because it came from an almost strictly R&B album. With Blood Orange's new album, Negro Swan, Hines gets more comfortable with the presence of rap and its place in his tender song construction. Talking to the New York Times, Hines says the theme of Negro Swan is black depression. That can be heavily felt throughout the album with its masterfully crafted use of minimal synths, eroding piano melodies, and Hines's willingness to expose himself through his vocals. With such a heavy theme, it seems like there's certainly a target audience he's trying to reach. The awkward, the anxious, the people that feel like giving up. But there are glimmers of positivity. Fittingly enough, the track Hope provides one of the first upward experiences on the album and features a genuine puff daddy spilling his soul in a moment that sounds like something from the late 90s days of his career. Between tracks, you'll catch on to a reoccurring voice belonging to writer, TV host, and transgender activist Janet Mock. If you're a hardcore rap fan, this is the moment where I've probably lost you by now, but hang with me. Outside of her and likely Hines' shared opinions of relationships on the track Family, a moment that resonated with me the most actually came at the end of the album opener, Orlando. The track fades into a moment where Mock discusses how doing too much in today's society is now an insult. She ends by saying she actually made it her resolution one year to, in fact, 
do too much because, frankly, why is winning and being successful ever a bad thing? More tracks that are worth repeat listens are, of course, Charcoal Baby, Vulture Baby, and Chewing Gum featuring ASAP Rocky. The pair performed that on Jimmy Kimmel Live, and it's a must-see if you're a die-hard fan of either artist. uncomfortable time to be a Nicki Minaj fan. Her album Queen underperformed and was beat out on the charts by Travis Scott's Astro World for, according to her, a number of reasons. In various Twitter rants, Nicki blamed Travis's baby mama and Kylie Jenner for posting a picture to IG supporting his tour with a link to his merch shop. This opened a whole can of worms about celebrity endorsements and unfair billboard rules, but it really does all come back to the merch wars. Anticipating Astro World weeks ago, I watched as Travis posted update after update on merch bundles that all included copies of his album. Honestly, all of the clothes and accessories that sold out almost instantly were all awesome and were definitely made with the fans in mind. If money wasn't so tight, I would have easily copped one of the Astro World dad hats. But that's me, an example of the ever-changing music listener who gives into the cash grab that is the merch bundle. While the tactic translated to more albums sold, it's not fair to translate that to cheating in any way from Travis's camp. It really comes down to the idea that the physical purchasing of albums is going out the window, so you have to do whatever it takes for fans to bite. People like Travis and Mac Miller simply are thinking into the future of marketing, and let's be honest, I'm not really sure of anyone who deeply listened to Queen more than once. It just wasn't as solid as it should have been for me. Nikki also tried to get 6 9 to perform at the VMAs, which was rightfully turned down. Are we really going to support an artist that's promoting a criminal? I don't think so. You know a show's soundtrack is great when it has you trying to guess what new track might be on the next episode. Going into season 3 of Insecure, I predicted a few of the cuts that made up the background to some of the best moments so far. The music, in a sense, has a way of becoming a character itself because of the impact it has on the show. Some tracks that elevated the first few episodes are Raven Linnae's Sticky, Valley's Womp Womp, and The Internet's It Gets Better With Time. The curators of these tracks really know what they're doing. Somehow, they all match the moods in whatever situations Issa and Molly get into. And while the absence of Lawrence still isn't sitting well with some fans, there's more of a focus on Daniel and his struggling career as a music producer. As a beat maker myself, this is a cool character to connect with, which is funny because I was hating on him in the first season for being a homewrecker. But again, I think the music itself has people coming back for more. Viewers want a dose of reality even when they're watching fiction. If you can connect with the soundtrack, you feel like you're a part of the show. And you might even find yourself wanting to take a trip out to LA. So keep killing it, Issa Rae. We need more shows like Insecure. Insecure. 